And today I want to talk to you about living that spirit-filled life. So would you just bow your hearts with me and we're going to pray together. Lord, I pray that today you come and you bring revelation knowledge to our spirit man so that God, we will understand what it means to live not by the flesh but by the spirit. Lord, we know that there's such a thin line to draw between living out of our own soulish powers and, and but rather choosing to live by the Spirit. So we commit this time of sharing to you. May you anoint your servants so that I may deliver your word with clarity, with simplicity, but also with the authority of the Scriptures so that we all walk away from this place knowing that we have heard, not just from a man, but we have heard from your Holy Spirit. So come and speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The great evangelist D.L. Moody was actually due to speak in London. And one of the pastors in the city actually did not quite welcome him. So he actually approached the organizer and asked the organizer this question. He says, why do we need D.L. Modi? He's uneducated, he's unqualified. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he, does he, does he think that he has a monopoly of the Holy Spirit? And then the organizer turned to him and replied, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly of him. Does he think that he has a monopoly of the Holy Spirit? No. But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly of him. And I think, brothers and sisters, this is the main point that we have been talking about over the last two months. Basically, it is not about how much of the Holy Spirit we have, but it is how much the Holy Spirit has us. You see, one of the common questions I've been asked in recent times is this, you know, why is there such a need to focus on the Holy Spirit? Since we already have the Spirit when we were born again. And that is true. That is absolutely true. Our salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 makes it absolutely clear. You, however, Paul says, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, okay? If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Let me ask you, how many of you belong to Christ today? Then guess what? The Holy Spirit is in you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't even call Him Father. Without the Holy Spirit, we do not even belong to Christ. But if we belong to Christ, then we already have the Holy Spirit. And the moment you, you come into a conversion, the Holy Spirit is already in you. Then why do we need to emphasize about being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit? Now, here's the thing. The problem is that we have the Holy Spirit, but how many of you agree? We don't always walk in the Spirit. Isn't that true? We know we have the Holy Spirit, but we don't always walk in the Spirit. And, and this morning, I want to talk to you about why it's so important to actually walk in the Spirit. And I think where we begin, well, let's begin with our view of man. What is our understanding of the nature of man? Now, I'm aware that scholars have different views about, uh, the, about man and the nature of man. But fundamentally, listen to me, fundamentally, we all believe that when it comes to man, there is the material part of man, which is the physical, that which you can touch, that which is tangible. And then there's the immaterial part of man, okay? that which is within us, you know, our soul, spirit, things like that. And, and some believe that man is two parts. That means 
the soul and the body, the material and the immaterial, okay? But others believe that man is three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Now, personally, I actually found viewing man as tripartite, that means spirit, soul, and body, is a very helpful framework, okay? It's just a great framework for us to, to, to decipher what goes on in, in man. Like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the scripture says that for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, right? Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So you see here how the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews demarcate or distinguish between the, the soul and the spirit. The word of God has the ability to divide between soul and spirit. And then it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay, so when, then when, when you take the soul and the spirit, you put it together, you get the heart. That's the heart of the person. Our thoughts, our attitudes all come from there. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you true and true, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Again, you see the spirit, the soul, and the body. So one easy way of viewing this, that's a framework that I, I like to present to you, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Right? The spirit is where the Holy Spirit dwells, okay? And that's where we contact the spiritual realm, okay? The spirit is where we contact the spiritual realm. The soul, the soul is basically made up of our mind, our will, and our emotion. And with that, we contact the emotional or the intellectual realm. And our, with our body, we contact the physical realm, okay? This is where we, are, we, we can touch base with what's going on around us, what's going on in the world. Now, the spirit is where we derive God consciousness. Okay, our spirit connects with the, with, with the spirit of God. And that's where we derive our God consciousness. But our soul is where we derive our self-consciousness. We know what we think, what we want, how we feel. Okay, and with the body, it contacts the world. Then we know whether it's hot, it's cold, you know, whether something tastes sweet or sour. You know, and our five senses our sight, our sound, our touch, our taste, our smell, they tell us what is happening around us in the world, in the physical realm. So, all, so the spirit, the soul, and the body. One can almost say, if I can put it this way, that we, have, we are the spirit, and we have a soul, and we live in the body, okay? So you have the spirit, we are the spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body. Now, here's the thing. The important thing to realize is this. Listen carefully. All three parts, spirit, soul, and body, is integral to who we are. Okay, we've got to capture this. All three parts, spirit, soul, and body, are integral to who we are. All three parts are integrated. So you cannot try and break them up too much, okay? Because whatever happens in one part affects the other. Are you with me? We are so integrated that what happens to my body will affect my soul. What happens to my soul will affect my spirit. You see, you cannot uh, arbitrarily break them up. We are so integrated, okay, that we are one, okay? And it's very important that we are not Gnostics, okay? Because the Gnostics believe that the body doesn't matter. 
then you, your body can do whatever. And the Gnostics believe that you can go and carry out you know, sexual immorality, but that's all in your body. It doesn't matter as long as your spirit is okay, as long as your, your soul is okay. No, I think all three are affected. For example, if I am sick physically, do you think it will affect my emotion? Of course, right? Because we're so integrated. And what happens my emotion will affect my spirit. So we, we are one. We are integral whole. And you cannot break them up too much. But it's important that we know how they interplay. So what does the Bible have to say about our body, our soul, and our spirit? Let me just walk you through that. I need to do some teaching so we get the foundations right, okay? Let's, what does the Bible have to say about our body? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, tell us this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, but you were bought at a price. Therefore, what do we do? Honour God with your bodies. The Holy Spirit dwells in our spirit through regeneration. The day you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our spirit and regenerated it, make you come alive. Okay, and now the Holy Spirit is contained in this body, which means what? This body is now a temple of God. Hey, do you realize that you are a temple? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And our body is only a, is a vessel that God works through. Now, understand this. In and of itself, the body is not bad. It is the means that God has given to us through which we can contact the physical world around us, you see? And of course, we understand that our body can be used either to, to do good, to, to, as, to, to be used to do works of righteousness, or it can be used to also carry out evil desires. Okay, so the body is, 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 is that vehicle that God has given to us. Our body, however, is God-given. It's an integral part of who we are. Thank God for your body. Hello. Okay, although sometimes I wish my body is, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something, but you know, this is the body. And I'm thankful to the Lord. This is a body God has given to me. And in and of itself, it's, it's nothing wrong. It is a means through which we contact the physical world. Now, what about the soul? What about your soul? Your soul basically is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotion. It is how I think, it's how I decide things, it's how I feel. And then that in totality forms my personality. It, is, it makes up who I am as an individual. It makes up who you are as an individual. Your mind, your will, your emotion is what you think, right? How, what you want and how you feel. Now in 3 John verse 2, it says, Dear friends, John, John wrote, I pray that you may enjoy good health and all that may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well or if your soul is prospering. God's desire is that our soul will prosper along with our body and our spirit. And again, in and of itself, our personality is God-given. You can hear me? Our personality is God-given. Our mind, our will, our emotions, they are God-given. If they are governed by God, consecrated to God, it can be used for God's glory. The problem is when our mind, our will, our emotion is not always God-directed. Sometimes it is sin-directed. And when that happens, then we reap, it can lead to destruction. 
See? And this is where the battle is fought. That's why the mind uh, is, is, is the battleground that influences our emotion. And then that in turn can influence the decisions that we make. And sometimes we don't make discipleship decisions. We end up making decisions that fulfill the desires of the flesh. So that's why the Apostle Paul challenged us as believers. He challenged us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Okay, he says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Then what must you do? Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See? And that's the soul. My mind, my will, my emotion, it needs to be surrendered to God. Okay. Here's the third thing, the spirit. Then what is the spirit? Uh, I think the spirit is what the Bible refers to as our innermost being. Our innermost being. And this is where the Holy Spirit dwells within men. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Listen carefully to this one. It's very important. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in what? In spirit. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. So when Paul was, ex the context of this verse is that Paul was exhorting the Corinthian Christians to live lives of purity. Then he started by telling them how when a man is physically, um, physically joined to a prostitute, he becomes one with her physically. That makes sense, right? When, he's, when a man is joined to the prostitute, he becomes one with her physically. Then he went on further to say, if one is joined with the Lord, then we become one with Him in the Spirit. Which means what? It is in the Spirit where man connects with God. Where do we become one with God? It's not physical. It is spiritual. So it is in the realm of the Spirit that we get connected with God. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul then says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, very importantly, in verse 10 to 12, he says, the Spirit is the one that searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the person's thoughts except their own spirit? Now, within them, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that they may understand what God has freely given us. Who knows the deepest things in my life, in me, except the spirit, my spirit within me? Isn't that true? You wouldn't know what is going on deep inside me except the spirit within me. Okay? In the same way, who knows the deepest thoughts of God? Accept the Spirit of God. So how can you and I know God except through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us? We cannot know God apart from His Spirit. That's the only way we can truly know God. So that's what the Bible has to say about this, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, the important thing is, how, does they, how do they all interact Interact. How do the spirit, the soul, and the body interact? And here's where I need you to listen carefully, okay? Here's what happened. When God first created man, right? Spirit, soul, body. God's original intent has always been that for the spirit to be the control center. It's almost like the spirit is supposed to be the master. Why? 
because the Holy Spirit dwells here in our spirit. Am I right? So, that was meant to be the master, the control center. Then whatever the Lord wants, the Holy Spirit whispers to the spirit, and then we will then inform the soul. What is the soul? The soul is our mind, our will, our emotion. Right? And this mind, the soul, is are meant to be like the chief servant, if you like, like a steward. Okay? He's the steward of this house. Okay? Then, whatever the Holy Spirit wants, he whispers to the spirit, the spirit tells the soul. Then what does the soul do? He informs the body, which are like the servants, and then they will carry it out. That's how we lift out everything, the desires that are inside of us. It's lift out through physically. Okay, so spirit informs, goes this way, and then it comes out. And that's how we lift our life. Now, it was all good until man fell into sin. Now, when man fell into sin, what happened to the spirit? The spirit died. Now, when I say the spirit died, it doesn't mean that the spirit ceased to exist. But what it simply means is that the spirit is now separated from God. It is dead unto God. Are you with me? Now, we all know that sin is what separates us from a holy God. And because that is what happened, now the, the control center is gone. Right? So, when the spirit is separated from God and is dead unto God, then who took over? Who took over? The soul took over. And that is how mankind ended up living their life. Living, we all live our life based on what? It's all based on what I think, what I want, how I feel. How do people make decisions? It's all based on what I think, what I want, how I feel. And when that happened, now people begin to live out of the soulish energy instead of living according to the spirit. And the body ends up carrying out whatever the soul desires, whatever our, our heart, the, 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 the fallen nature of man now rules the game. Are you with me on this? Are you with me? And I think that's how people live. Now think about it. And once people begin to live like this based on uh, just our own desires, then what happened? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 tell us this, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whatever sow, whoever sows to please the flesh will from the flesh uh, reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So if we live according to what our sinful nature desires, then we will end up reaping destruction. Now let me ask you, before you come to Christ, isn't that how we live? Isn't that true? Before we come to Christ, on what basis do you live your life? It's all based on what I think, what I want, how I feel. Everything is just based on self. And the Apostle Paul actually describes this for us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Now, listen carefully to this. Once I lay this foundation, I'm going to just apply it for you. And it, it's a small shift, but it's going to make a huge impact. Now, listen to this one. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 5. Here is Paul describing our life pre-Christian. Now listen to this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live, right? That's just where we come from. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, 
the spirit who is at, now at work in those who are disobedient, referring to the spirit of Satan. Now all of us also live amongst them at one time, gratifying the, the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature what? Deserving of God's wrath. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. For by grace, you have been saved. You know, before I come to Christ, my spirit was separated from God. So how did I function? I functioned totally out of the soul and the body. That's how I function. Okay, I live out of soulish power of my mind, my will, my emotion. Every decision I make prior to coming to Christ is based on what I think, what I want, how I feel. It's all based on that. And what's the end of all that? Paul says, it is deserving of wrath. In other words, we live like that. We are destined for hell. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 10, verse 28. He says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Actually, that's where our unredeemed soul and body were hated. We were on our way to hell. But the good news is this. God in His mercy saved us. So what happened was, because we came to Christ, then what happened? The Holy Spirit comes back into the Spirit that's already separated from God, right? It's already dead unto God. And the Holy Spirit comes in, regenerated our spirit, rekindled it and make it come alive. Hello? And because our spirit come back to life, now it can become the control center again. The Holy Spirit is back here. And now this has become again our control center. And this whole process of the Holy Spirit coming back into our spirit and then giving us a regeneration, that's what we call born again. We have been born again in the spirit. That's the doctrine of justification. All of us have been justified now. And then now what is happening? Now what is happening is, the, now that the Spirit is again the control center, we are now in the process of handing over control from the soul back to the Spirit. I am learning, you are learning day by day to hand over control of our life back to the Spirit. Instead of still going according to what we want, we are saying, I am going to live my life based on what God wants. Are you with me? And this whole process of handing back control to the Spirit is what we call sanctification. And all of us are going through sanctification right now. See? And if as day by day, I am, you know, my spirit, the day I'm born again, is already made perfect in Christ. So in the sight of God, I'm already holy, righteous, perfect in my spirit. But how many of you know my soul is not there yet? My, my mind, there are still areas in my mind that needs to be renewed. How, how does it get renewed? By the Word of God. So every day, I'm learning to let the Word of God renew my mind. My will is not totally surrendered. There are still areas in my life that I'm holding on to. But I'm in that process of handing over control to the Spirit. More and more, I want my spirit to be, I want my will to be surrendered to God. My emotions are not totally pure yet. I'm still undergoing that consecration. 
of taking my emotion and gearing it to, to the purposes of God rather than the desires of my flesh. And we are going through this whole process of sanctification right now. And as our soul is being sanctified, our bodies are slowly used to serve God's purposes rather than our own. Uh, the, the Bible puts it this way, and you'll find it in Romans chapter 6, verse 11 to 14. Uh, in the same way, Paul says, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body, my physical body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer your parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master anymore, because you are not under law, but under grace. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that as your spirit is already made justified, your soul is being sanctified, then more and more offer the parts of your body. What's he talking about? It's my body, my eyes, my nose, my mouth, my hands. You know, these hands that use that was previously used for fighting and for stealing, now I use it to serve. Right? These eyes that used to to feast on pornography, now I use it to feast on the Word of God. This feet that used to carry me to a nightclub, now I let it carry me to a connect group on a Friday night. Are you with me? I'm off, then what am I doing? I'm offering the past of my body now to serve righteousness rather than wickedness. This mouth that used to curse and swear, now I use it to bless. I use it to edify. What am I doing? I'm offering the past of my body no longer to serve wickedness, but to serve righteousness. Then what? Now I'm learning to walk in the Spirit rather than the flesh. So you read 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24 again. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, sanctify me true and true. May my whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of my Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful and He will do it. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know God wants to make sure that your spirit, your soul, your body will be totally kept blameless when He comes again. And we are in that process right now. And brothers and sisters, this is the discipleship journey that every one of us are on. Are you with me? Hello. You don't look very excited. Are you with me? I think that's very critical. This is what's going on every day in our life. So in the light of all this, now that we understand the interplay between the spirit, the soul, and the body, what then should we do? How then should we live? And this is the point, I need to have three volunteers just quickly come up to the stage for me, okay? I'm going to show you a simple uh, illustration and then from there, um, make the application for you. It's so critical. Can I have the three volunteers, please? Can you give them a good hand as they come? Uh, I got three boys to come and uh, just help me out on this. Thank you, my brother. You line up in a straight row here. No need to be too far. Yeah, come nearer to me. Don't be afraid. I don't bite. Come. Okay, wonderful, Billy. All right, come. Okay, so line up in a straight row, wherever you want. Okay, very good. So you be body, you be soul, you be spirit. You look like 
very spiritual. Okay, great. All right. So you have the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, we all know the body is that which contacts the physical world. Everything that's happening on the outside, this is the first person to be impacted. Okay, and then we have the soul, the mind, the will, the emotion. That's where people make their decision. That's why they, their emotions come, etc. And then the spirit. This is where we connect with God. This is where God, the Holy Spirit, dwells. Are you with me so far? Now, we all know this interplay. They are all linked up. They are so integrated, you can't separate them. But here's the thing. I find that a lot of times when we are living our, living our life, what happens is we tend to be living this way. We tend to take our bearings from what is happening on the outside, our circumstances, our situation. And we tend to live our life just taking direction from what is happening here in the, in the physical, in what's happening, our circumstances, our situation, the relationships we have, you know, what's going on on the outside. And we take all bearings from here. Is that true? Like, for example, you know, you think about it, right? Let's say, uh, what's your name? Ben, okay. So Ben, for example, has been praying and waiting for a job, a dream job that he's waiting for. So he's been praying and praying and praying, and then boom, he gets the job. Then now I say to him, hey, Ben, God is good. He will say what? All the time. Now, all the time, God is good. You know? Why? Because he got the job he wanted. But what if he didn't get the job? The job went to somebody else. Now he says, I, I think I want to quit worship ministry again. I think I don't want to serve anymore. You know, this God didn't give me what I want. So what is he, what's happening here? Is he serving God or serving the job? Are you, are you with me? He's taking bearings from what is happening on the outside, right? There are some people, say for example, Ben is after a girl in his connect group. He really liked this girl, you know. And, and when the girl, if the girl just accepted him and said, yeah, let's go out together, then Ben would say, oh, God is awesome. You know, God is good. And, but what if the girl rejected him? Then what? I don't want to go to cell anymore. I think I go to Kingdom City next week. <laughs> I don't want to come anymore. Why? Because he's deep. He's totally dependent on what's happening around him. His circumstances, the situation rules everything. Are you, are you with me? Then who is he serving? Is he after God or is he after girl? You know, so that's where it is. When the market is up, my investments are looking good, then I feel really good. I feel high. I feel I can worship God with all my heart and soul. But then market comes down. Now my, my network is dwindling. And then what? I begin to feel that, oh, now I can't. I better don't come to church anymore. I better focus on my business. Then what is, how is he living his life? It's not taking reference from who God is and what God says. It's taking reference from all the external things. I'm serving in the church and then people appreciate me. People affirm me. People honor me. And then you say, I want to do even more. And then somebody criticized him. Then now Ben says, I don't want to serve anymore. I quit. Then who are we serving? Is it God or is it ourselves? Are you with me? And you know what's happening is that as we, if you live life like that, just based on all this, then we will never, we will, our emotions will rule the day. Our decisions are decided by all the emotions. If we feel good, great. If we don't feel good, everything collapses then you know what? Your spiritual life is going to be up and down. That's why people are so unstable. We can't find stability. We can't find that place of rootedness. We ended up just taken by circumstances. I hope you're catching this. You see, and 
And if we live like that, then we will be forever unstable. Even though we have the Spirit in us, we never see the outworking of the Spirit because we're not taking reference. We're not living according to the Spirit. We're living according to the flesh. And you know, people are constantly waiting for some breakthrough to take place on the outside. We're all waiting for our circumstance to change. We think that if my business grows, then I'll be fine. You know, if only, you know, if only my husband will change, then we will have this perfect marriage we've been waiting for. But is it? You know, we're all waiting for something, a breakthrough on the outside, when actually what we need really is a shift on the inside. You know what the shift we need? Here's a shift. We need to do this. That's all. That's the shift we're waiting for. It's a shift that is not a lot. <laughs> it's a small shift, but it has huge impact. Because now I'm not going to live according to what's happening around me. Now, of course, what happens around me can affect me. It can affect me. What's happening in outside can affect me on the inside. But I'm not going to live based on this. I'm going to live based on who God is and what God says. I'm going to take reference from the Word of God and the Spirit of God, not from the world, not from my circumstances and situation. Are you with me, people? This is the shift that needs to take place inside us. And the day we make this shift, it will be a breakthrough moment for us. We break free from here so that we can break through to here. That's what we need. It's a small shift, but it makes a world of difference. And as long as we live facing this, we will always be struggling we will be unstable. You'll be up and down. I need to make this shift so that I can now live by the Spirit and not the flesh. May the Lord help us to do this. Amen. May God bring you revelation today and set us free. I need to this shift. I cannot live my life just constantly what I think, what I want, how I feel, taking direction from here then how I think, how, what, I, what I want, how I feel is going to be governed by all this. But I need to be governed by the Spirit. If we live like that, that's when the Holy Spirit have mastery over us. Amen. Then it's not just me having the Spirit, now the Spirit have me. And that's what we are talking about. Amen. Thank you so much, brothers. And give them a good hand and they help us. You know, I hope you see that clearly now. Thank you. Here. Here's the thing. And, and I want to challenge us. Here's what we need to do. Now, where do we start if we want to make this shift? Where do we make this shift? And that's the reason why it's so important, brothers and sisters, for us to receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Because the day when you come to Christ, we all know, I already have the Spirit dwelling in me. See, the day you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit is already living in you. But the day when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, the day when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, what happened is, the Spirit that is within us, John chapter 7, verse 38 happened. Out of our belly, out of our innermost being, Spirit, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So what happened is this, I already had the Spirit in me, but the day when I got empowered by the Spirit, the Spirit is being released 
from within me to actually overflow into the soul and the body and begin to affect the way I live my life. It begins to infiltrate my mind, my will, my emotion, and the way I live my life. And brothers and sisters, this is what we are talking about. The day when we were baptized, if you like, immerse. I think that's a better word to use sometimes. We get so caught up with terminologies. But the day when we were immersed in the Holy Spirit, then John 7, 38 happens. And the Holy Spirit was released from within our spirit, our innermost being, to overflow into our soul and our spirit. And listen, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming upon us, it's no longer a rain from outside, it's a release from the inside. And it begins to overflow into my, my soul, my spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to call it the release of the spirit. And now we are empowered to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's a greater yielding to the Spirit, surrenderedness to the Spirit. Now I'm taking reference on the Spirit, not the body. I'm mastered by the Holy Spirit. And this is when, as we make this shift, we begin to live in, out of our oneness with God. Now I have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit have me. We learn to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. So where do we start? If we want to do this, where do we start to begin to break out of? How do you make this shift, you know, from, this, from depending on the soul and the body? How do we make this shift to take reference on the Spirit? I believe the answer goes beyond just spiritual disciplines. It goes beyond an encounter in an event or at the altar. It goes beyond all that. It needs to go back to the cross. We go back to the cross. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Let me end with this. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. The first step out of soulish Christianity is to go back to the cross because the cross is where God dealt with our self-life. This is the key to discipleship. If anyone would, in other words, you have a choice. If anyone is willing, we choose to die to our self-life so that we may gain the life of the Spirit. We choose to make this shift you know, away from, from the world and then shift to, to the Spirit. That's a choice you have to make today. Then he must deny himself. Okay, we must decide to forsake the power of the, of the soul. That I don't just depend on my mind, my will, my emotion, but I take up my cross. You know what the cross is? The cross is an instrument of death. The cross is where you die. It's a place where we die to our self. See? And then you follow Him. Ultimately, this is the essence of Christianity then we are no longer pursuing our own ways, but we are running after Jesus. And that is where we can truly lift out Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. Brothers and sisters, this is the pinnacle of the Christian faith. The highest peak anyone can climb if there's a peak to climb would be Galatians 2.20. The peak that we, that we can scale in Christianity, is not, the peak is not just being able to cast out a demon or heal the sick or even raising the dead 
But I think the peak is when we become so identified with Christ in His death and resurrection, there is no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I live, I live by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 then says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. D.L. Moody, let me finish with this, have this beautiful saying. He said, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. And if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition in the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. God, help me to make this shift. It's so small a step, but it has huge implication for our life. God, help me that I no longer depend on what I see, circumstances, situation, my mind, my will, my emotion. It must be consecrated to God. And I take reference from who God is and what God says, rather than to live according to what my what I see around me. May God help us to do that. Would you stand with me, please? Let's stand together and take a few moments this, this, this afternoon just to allow God to take these words that are spoken in simplicity and let it sink into our spirit. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite the worship team just to come and allow him to speak allow them to just minister to us and lead us. In a few moments, I'm going to invite you to do just this. That right, wherever you are, you make that decision to just make this shift. It's a simple shift. I turn away from living my life just based on what I see, based on what I feel, and just what I want, what I think. Because sometimes God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. And then we make this shift to say, I live by the Spirit. I let the Spirit govern me. It's what, he, it's what the Spirit wants. It's what God says and it's who God is. That's where I take reference from, not just the circumstances, the situations around me. And that's where we find our rootedness and our anchor, not in the affairs of a world that can go up and down, the only one that never changed is our Lord Jesus. He never changed. And we anchor ourselves in Him. And in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to make that decision. And you are watching online, you can also make that decision. And I'm going to invite the worship team just to lead us to sing. And those of you who you know as I'm speaking, you know it, that's me. I always live my life just based on things around me and Maybe it's time you make that shift and you make that your decision today. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship Him.